Driving In with Becca Tilly and Tanya Rad, an iHeartRadio and two-time People's Choice Award-winning podcast. Hello, everybody. We're scrubbing in. Scrubbing in. You feel different this Monday than you did last Monday. I surely do, because I'm 33, baby. Do we clap? Yay. (laughs) Um, We're in Tanya's apartment right now, and I have never in my life seen so many flower arrangements. Honestly, I cried so much on my actual <laughs> birthday because these flower arrangements literally just kept coming in. And I so I started putting them up on like my, um, whatever this is, my island in my kitchen. So I started putting them up one by one and then they like slowly started filling the whole island. I was like, this is actually insane. I like I just like kept crying every time I got something. Yeah, it was like a hospital room. Like you just were getting floral arrangements left and right. And I felt like... Do you feel, I feel like you get a lot of flowers every year, don't you? But like because of quarantine and not having a birthday celebration with everyone, they're like, we're going to send flowers. Yeah. And it's like not even just flowers. People were sending me like crystals and I got like sage and candles and my neighbors dropped off like all these gifts and like wines and champagnes and balloons and Sisney brought me phone nuts. It was like so much love in one day. Like I did. And I was literally just like in my house. Like it was crazy wish that y'all could see the floral arrangement that Ryan Seacrest sent Tanya. I have never, I thought it was like, it looks like a fake like plant situation because it is so large and beautiful. It's sad that they're going to die. Like it's really upsetting. <laughs> I have the same sentiment when I got them. First of all, they're so heavy. I couldn't lift them on my own. Like actually like could not lift them. And then I, I tried to put them on my like TV console, but I was like, they don't fit there. So they literally take up my entire coffee table. Like it's my entire, co- I had to move all the stuff off my coffee table. because. <laughs> yeah, it, I've literally, I've seen some big flower arrangements. I've never seen one like this. Yeah, it was pretty. So you felt sweet. very loved this weekend. I did. And you were a big part of that also. I mean, okay, this is what happened. So Tanya had said that Red Star was going to have her on Saturday, which was her actual birthday, but she wanted to do something with a few of her friends on Friday. And obviously because of quarantine, it was kind of like select few who were willing and able to come or wanted to come or like, yeah. So um, she had wanted to go to the park and have a picnic. So she had mentioned it and then that was kind of it. And so the night before I was kind of asking about, do you want lunch? And she... She was going to get salads for everyone and make sure that it was all set up. And I'm like, it's your birthday. What are you talking about? So, But it's like I know that it's quarantine and I know nobody wants to do anything. So I felt like I needed to, like, just do it. And my plan was just I'm just going to bring some Turkish towels, some blankets, and, like, get us some salads and, call you know, call it a day. Which is very Tanya of you. <laughs> but um, for me, I the thing is I don't really – care about my I don't like to have it celebrate my birthday but I love celebrating other especially my good friends like the people I love I love celebrating their birthday so I was like you're not doing that and we I planned like a little this company to come set up a cute little it was so cute like I actually could not get over it and the best part is is like the the park that I had picked to do it at is like the park that I picnic at all the time and so we go up, we show up, and Becca was just like, 
this park isn't doing it for me. I feel like we're right next to the freeway. Are there any other parks around here? And I was just like, what the heck? Like, <laughs> what but, do you mean this park isn't doing it for you? Like, So what happened was Ta- I picked Tanya up, and then we were waiting on Haley to get here. So Tanya's sitting in my car, and the guy from the company calls me as they're setting up in this park that Tanya originally chose and says, hey, we tried to set up because it was a little picnic table and then an umbrella situation, and the park ranger shut them down. They were like, you can't set that up here. And so I'm on the phone acting like I'm not talking to anyone, and I'm like, oh, okay, um, let me just, I'm going to text you and see what we can do. Like, trying, I, I didn't know what to do. So Tanya gets out of the car. I call back, and I'm texting Brad and Raquel, and I'm texting Red Star because he was going to show up and surprise her. And I'm like, we have a change of plans. We need another park. Are there any other parks? So they tell me about another park. And so I'm telling the company, like, go to this park, try to set up. If it doesn't work out, we'll do, like, blankets and pillows. It'll be fine. So it's stressful. Tanya's in the car, has no idea. We finally go to the park that she had originally chosen. And luckily, it was kind of small and right next to a busy street. So I was like, this does not have the vibes that I was expecting for your birthday picnic meanwhile the best part of this is is i'm like texting brad like i didn't know that they were all in cahoots so i'm texting brad being like hey change of plans we're going to a different park and brad's like oh you know i love a change of plan and then i'm texting red star and i'm like oh my gosh becca hates our park lol (laughs) like all this stuff not realizing they're all like in on it you know what i mean so I'm having internal mental breakdowns while she's just like laughing thinking I'm dissing her park and so we get there and um, they had set it up it was beautiful so shout out this amazing company the picnic collective literally if you need any sort of setup on the beach it was so freaking cute I know so when I get out of the car and I see it I like get emotional already because I'm like this is so beautiful and I like wasn't expecting it So I like already have tears in my eyes and then all of a sudden I see everybody's like phones start pulling out their phones and I'm like, what is happening? And then I hear Red Star being like, I have a balloon delivery for a Tanya. And I was like, I can't handle this right now. The old balloon man bit. So Tanya's asking me a question about the whole plan and everything, the surprise. And I'm trying to answer, but I see Red Star walking up behind her. So I'm trying to make sure she stays looking at me. And I'm trying to get my camera to where I can get it out and film it. So I'm like, uh, and then um, I I could not. It was too much happening in my brain. <laughs> and so then it was like the cutest surprise. She was so excited. And then we're posting on Instagram and she was like, you can post that. I was like, what? Red stars in it. And she's like, yeah, you can post it. And I literally multiple times. I was like, are you sure this video I can she post? She asked me like 10 times. <laughs> I was like, yeah, go ahead. Moment. And so then I'm getting like the amount of DMs I got. Like, is this red star? Oh my God. It was really fun. Did it feel like freedom? It did. Cause I feel like, you know, he, he's not a secret, but it, it has been for, you know? And so it's like yeah. this weird in between where I was just like, whatever it's a cute video just like post it and then yeah. I just like took it upon myself and went like ham over the weekend you were like freedom yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he was fine with this yeah I mean I think like I think I went a little you know it's like I need to ease him into it a little bit because it is it's you know when you're not when you're not you know used to you know um uh, 
don't want to say being in the public eye, but you're, you know, you're, you have a private yeah. Instagram and you have a private, you know, you're, you're just not, you know, this isn't your world. It's strange, you know? And so I think I forget that a lot. And I forget that feeling of like, even when I first started on the morning show, like how weird it is when people are like, ew, your hair looks ugly like that. Or like, you need to go to the gym. You know, people can be really mean. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I, I forget that side of it. So I'm going to, you know taper taper back just a smidge but well, it did, i noticed we're still calling him red star so that's a sign right yeah 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 i definitely want to like you know keep calling him that for a little bit um, even though i'm sure that the facebook group has figured out his name and probably his third grade teacher by now just from the photos you posted yeah. but it's like you know i have to just kind of like it's weird because now it's not just me you know what i mean it's like me and somebody else and so it's like i have to figure out I, I, I think, like, when we had this conversation, it was so early on when we were dating that it wasn't, like, and now we're, like, really in it, and it's, like, real, and we haven't really talked about it. So I'm, like, I need to just have that conversation, you know what I mean? Um, but we will, and it'll be fine. Yeah. But so then then you had dinner with him the next night. Y'all had a romantic Malibu dinner. Yeah. That was so nice. It was just, like, so nice because, like, I don't know if you guys feel the same way, but, like... All, it's like all your best friends in one place and like you all like you guys all know each other and you're friends but like you're all connected through me and so it's like Raquel and Brad met for the first time and like just having all the people that you love so much in one place is like it does something to your heart like I haven't been that happy since quarantine started like it was so crazy I can't even explain to you like the amount of joy that was like yeah. in my heart it was really really it was Special. so fun. And the day was, the weather was perfect. It was just like an ideal afternoon, really. Yeah. Um. Well, happy birthday. Thank welcome you. Welcome to 30. I'm not 33, so I can't say welcome <laughs> to 33, but someone who's 33 can say welcome to 33. I'm pumped on 33. Yeah. Let's did you go, set baby. your intentions? Sure Let did. go of things of the past? For sure. Burnt that ish. Yeah. So well, normally. Can we hear that? What are, what are some of the things you burned um, I burned, um, I remember specifically writing down the words, I can't, and um, uh, I can't, I can't do that. I want to burn that phrase. I can't do that. And then I burned um, other people's expectations of what I can do. I burned that. And then I and also to be clear, you literally wrote it down, put it in a tin can, and burned it. Yeah, so Red Star actually did it with me. We wrote them down on separate, like we ripped up a piece of paper and wrote them all in individual little pieces. And then we intentionally, like individually, one by one, each put them in like the tin can, and then we lit it on fire. Wow. So symbolic. It is. It, it really is. It really like feels good to just like write down these things. Like um, one of them was um, uh, not letting my happiness be in the hands of other people. Like, it comes only from me, and I feel like I, I've been letting a lot of outside noise, like, affect me lately, and I just, like, no. Is that from your book, Codependent No More? Exactly. <laughs> it's not sponsor of this podcast, but Not a sponsor, be. but a great read. <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah, and then, like, on the flip side, you write, like, goals and, and aspirations and things like that. So, yeah, I don't know. It's, like, a really, like, nice, intentional practice. I, I posted about this on my Instagram this morning because I saw a post about this girl saying she has always been so cautious of, she has a podcast as well, um, and she was saying, her name's JC Marie Smith, and I don't know the name of her podcast, but just if you want to look that up, <laughs> just don't want to talk about her podcast, not shout her out, um, but she was saying that her whole life she's 
plate like tiptoed around to make sure she doesn't work like offend anyone or say the wrong thing that can cause like um like different opinions or for people to give anyone any chance to be offended because she doesn't want to stir the pot which is literally something I relate to so strongly and I realized like I'm done just I don't want to just like not have an opinion because someone might not share the same opinion totally and I realized last week I talked about um I talked about just stuff I'm learning about my faith and stuff and I literally went to bed having so much anxiety thinking like the people that are gonna write me and have a disagreement with me and the amount of messages I got saying they're going through the same thing really made me realize that I have to give people a chance to relate to me. Like, instead of assuming they're just going to disagree with me, I need to say, like, someone might relate to this. It's like when I opened up about, you know, Red Star mm-hmm. being divorced, I can't even tell you the amount of messages I got from from women, like, encouraging and yeah. just being so sweet. Like, I, I, you know, my now husband was divorced when I met him, and he couldn't say I love you back for a while because of this and that. And like just sharing their stories. And like a lot of other women were like, thank you so much for talking about this. Because when I was going through it, I didn't even tell Mm -hmm. my best friends because I was so embarrassed Mm -hmm. and I felt so alone. And I'm like, that makes me so emotional. You know, I think everybody's going, we're all going through the same things. I know. And, and yet nobody talks about them. I know. And it's just kind of almost so close or simple-minded to think that my situation that no one else is experiencing it and that everyone's gonna disagree instead of being like yeah I've, I've gone through that or I'm going through that and so it was really encouraging so to those who reached out to me I really appreciate it yeah. um but I'm yeah I'm just trying to let go of that I've been studying a lot about the Enneagram too and I know it just has a lot to do with my personality type of like I have to see both sides of everything like you know how someone can have a strong opinion to be like I don't agree with what this person said and they're like set in that. I'm like, well, I have to hear the other side for me to rationalize it. Yeah. And it's exhausting because like I have two sides of everything in my head. Everything. It's horrible. (laughs) Tell me about it, sister. And then it's also like so weird when like I've only been concerned. I'm on the flip side. I've never had, I don't have no concern. I don't, I say something and I don't really have anxiety about it because it's just me. You know what (sighs) I mean? And it's like, what a, relief (laughs) but I'm like learning that I need to be you know have a little bit of a I don't want to say filter but like you know there are certain things that I haven't talked about that like I might not you Mm -hmm. know but it's like I have to respect the fact that like yeah right when when someone else is involved you do have to take them into consideration and that's it's just it's just is what it is there's no like arguing it it's just I was just like and I also said too I go doesn't understand the scrub sisters yet and like once you do like you're just gonna be so down do you know what I mean because it's like so positive and sweet and encouraging like it's not like this like um they're not looking to cancel you they're looking to to lift you up yeah it's like not the norm and you know when you don't know social media and things like that you think it's such a negative place and you're like scared of it and I'm like this is utopia over here you know like you ain't gonna get love like this anywhere else (laughs) it's true I mean (laughs) ain't gonna get love like this anywhere else (laughs) it's true though I'm trying to think if any I I this whole weekend I'm talking Saturday and Sunday from 10 a.m to 10 p.m I have been car shopping with my sister and Haley I have never felt so exhausted and so much disappointment one after the other have you ever done that just like have has anyone just gone and car shopped and had to like haggle and 
negotiate and then no 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 i hate that i would never do that <laughs> okay so i don't do that like i don't haggle you know i don't i hate confrontations so that's my worst nightmare Haley loves cars she lo- she's like i can get the right price it was like a challenge for her but let me tell you Nothing something makes me more uncomfortable three girls going into a car dealership would have been a totally different experience if one of us was a guy and that really pissed me off because I felt like they just assumed right off the bat that we had, well, I didn't know what I was talking about, but like that none of us knew what we were doing or talking right, about. Right, And it was just so frustrating. Oh, there was like no irks me more. They were all like slimy and rude and had no enthusiasm. In my head, I was like, I could be a car salesperson and I might have the best sales record of all time because all, all I ha- would have to do is add some like enthusiasm about the car and selling it because... Uh, they didn't have that. So anyways, that was my weekend. In case you were wondering, mine looked very different than yours. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I'm having like a sugar and alcohol, like Calm major. Down. Calm down. Yeah. I think I realized that like, I haven't eaten refined sugar and like that in a while. Cause mm-hmm. I was just eating cupcakes and cake and like, you name it this weekend. I ate it. And like, I had like a gnarly fatigue yesterday. Like I could not, like I slept until nine. I'm like, I know I texted you at like eight something, which I don't know why I was up, but, and then you didn't answer. And I was like, am I up before Tanya? (laughs) (laughs) I slept in. I didn't go on my run. I was just like, woof. Yesterday was just. It's your birthday weekend. Yeah. 33, you know. Back at it. Yeah, this is 33. (laughs) Um, Well, last week we had the opportunity to sit down with literally the amazing Katie Lowe's and we had the best time we talked for so long because I'm still thinking about (laughs) things she said to us by the way full on yeah she's amazing she basically co-hosted this podcast with us because we just kept talking and it was so much fun um so we're gonna air that interview and we asked some of y'all's questions that you posted on the Facebook group and I got to uh, really tap into my scandal fangirl self and ask questions and also talk about her being a fan of the bachelor um so we're gonna air that and i hope you enjoy it um are so excited for our guest today. We have Katie Lowe's on the podcast, scrubbing in. Scrubbing in, guys. Scrubbing in. I don't think I've ever played a doctor. Uh, uh, nope. I was on Grey's Anatomy Private Practice and Scandal, and I never played a doctor. <laughs> yes. Tanya's like shocked, but I knew this because mm-hmm. I remember watching, I was re-watching, I think, Private Practice or Grey's episode wow. and saw you, and I was like, oh! <gasps> I, I love that Shauna does that. that she oh my God. She's amazing. I mean, she just really collects like an incredible, I mean, I, I hope I'm okay, but like I, that I'm even in the category of the people that she keeps reusing, but like Jeff Perry, you know, was Meredith's dad and then he was Cyrus on Scandal and now mm-hmm. he's on Inventing Anna, which is Shonda Rhimes' new show on Netflix and I'm on that. And then um, like Paul Edelstein from Private Practice. Oh, yeah. And then he played Leo Bergen on Scandal, or Kate Burton is on everything that, that yeah. she does. <laughs> so I hope, like, in years to come, I come back on this podcast and I'm an old, old lady and I'm like, I've been on 95 Shonda Rhimes. Shonda shows. shows. Yeah, that would be 
my dream. Um, but yeah, my, I was, I guess started on private practice first. Um, and also it's a, such a testament to Linda Lowy, who's her casting director, because Linda mm-hmm. keeps, thank God, she just kept bringing me in there, even though I wasn't booking anything. Like she just kept bringing me into audition for her um, until we found the right fit. But I had been on private practice one, oh my God, you guys, it was so depressing. I played this mom whose husband left her baby in the backseat of the car and forgot the baby back there and the baby asphyxiated and died, which is true and happens to like whatever the number is every year. But it was like oh, that's awful. awful. That's it was so awful. Dark. It was so dark. Like I just was like, oh my God, it's a nightmare. <laughs> Excuse my friend. Um, and then um, and then I got scandal. And then while we were waiting to hear if from the scandal pilot, if it was gonna get picked up and go to series, Shonda had known that I was a babysitter for different families and she didn't want me go, to go back to babysitting from between the times the scandal pilot shot and the first season. And she called and she said, I'm giving you a guest, one day guest star on Grey's Anatomy and that should tide you over because we get good news about scandal and I don't want you babysitting ever again. <laughs> <laughs> that is so freaking awesome yeah. yeah no she's a champion for actors and I feel very lucky to have I, I feel so lucky and then so like when I come out into the real world and work with other people I'm like what like this is it's just like it's so utopia over there especially for mothers and especially for women and it's just really a wonderful place to work. So I would like to stay there as long as she'll have me. <laughs> Wait, that is like so like nice to hear. I know. It seems like you're going in the right direction. You're mm. on the, what's the new Netflix show? It's called Inventing Anna. Um, it's her first cable show on Netflix. Um, sadly, we had shot, I think, a little bit more than half of it before quarantine shutdown started. So we're on a little, we're on a pause at the moment. But um it's a true story, similar, a little, I mean, Scandal is based on a real person, Judy Smith. No, Judy Smith did not have sexual relations with the president, but <laughs> Judy Smith was a fixer in Hollywood and is a real woman that Carrie Washington based um, Olivia Pope on. But, so this is a true story about this girl, Anna Delvey, a few years ago, moved to New York City, 25-year-old, had a fake German accent, told everyone she was worth a trust fund of like bajillions of dollars when she didn't have a cent to her name. She was actually Russian. She lived from hotel to hotel to hotel, fancy penthouses in New York City, never paid a dime, conned people out of hundreds of thousands of dollars, banks, private planes, yachts, you name it. And that's being played by Julia Garner from Ozark, who won the Emmy this year, um, and Laverne Cox is on it and me and Anna Klumski is playing the journalist, um, telling the story. It's was really fun. We were shooting in New York and having a freaking blast until everything got really scary and we had to go home. <laughs> I know. So what does that mean? So since y'all filmed with Netflix, cause they're full seasons, they release it that way, yes. right? So you won't release anything till the whole season. Yeah. So we have to finish it. Um, which hopefully, you know, I mean, I'm hoping that it will be sooner rather than later, but I don't think, you know, Hollywood, it's really weird. I mean, Hollywood, it's really weird. Like we work in an industry that involves a lot of people in closed spaces and um, 
you know, we also have to do intimate sex scenes. You can't do that with a mask on. <laughs> so, True. Yeah. so I'm not sure, um, you know, what success there will be with opening things up before mm-hmm. there's some sort of vaccine, but, um, yeah. you know, hopefully, hopefully, but I think we'll get to finish it. It's so good. And again, like working for Shonda in the cable world. And there were also people like Jeff Perry's on it, um, who played Cyrus on Scandal. Uh-huh. Um, and Anna DeVere Smith, she was on The Catch. See, she just like rotates. Plucks them. Yeah, she rotates them. And it's like such a blessing because I also feel like a lot of times people just think of, you know, when you've sort of hit it on a show, people sort of just think of you only as that one thing. And that's what's mm-hmm. so great about Shonda. She's like, no, 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 like you're an actor. Like I'm going to throw a bunch of different stuff your way. And I know you can do it. Like it was just, it's really um, great. But I, I miss working because I'm just a full stay-at-home mom at this point. <laughs> well, you and my podcast. podcast yes, though. yes. Yeah. That's what I do on um, his nap. <laughs> so it's called Katie's Crib. Yes. And we're, neither of us are moms. Yes. So it's not necessarily in my, no. you know, what I'm listening to. Yes. But I went to listen because I wanted to know what it was like so we could talk about it. And I listened to your um, episode on racism. Great. And it was kind of about how to talk to your kids about being anti-racist, which Mm -hmm. is such an important and necessary conversation Mm -hmm. because we're, as adults, all in this situation where we're having to unlearn Mm -hmm. and learn so much. Mm -hmm. And I felt like I learned so much from knowing what to tell kids about it because- that's you know, so we're having great. sometimes the conversations we're having, even with the adults in our life, have to be broken down like we're talking to children. One hundred percent, like one hundred percent. And it's like even like small things too. Like I didn't even realize. Um, this friend of mine, um, she gives her her little kid. I think she's two. She gives her her dolls mm-hmm. in every ethnicity. Mm, that's like great. Every yeah, and it's like when I was, I didn't have that. You know, I just had my little white Barbie yeah. dolls. Yeah, you know, yeah. Like, which is it, it wasn't completely even... horrible in so many ways. I mean, color, <laughs> size, shape, body shape, everything. It's just totally not even done. reality in any way, shape, form. But yeah, I mean, there. It's been very eye opening. You know, I think as a white person during this time, um, you know, there's so much, like you said, Becca, unlearning and learning that I'm doing individually and I think as moms and as people it starts with ourselves and only if we do the work with ourselves and realize you know the racism that we've grown up in and the the system that we're a part of and how we wrestle with that and then take action items then that's that's the only way we can then parent differently you know so Mm -hmm. I'm glad you listened to the episode because I do think it's completely valuable for parents or not parents but especially for me. I mean, I just felt like, you know, I grew up as a New Yorker and like, I just, for some reason, when we would like get to the slavery section in like school, which was, let's be honest, barely covered. And I've had such problems with that. But, um, I was always like, but I'm a New Yorker. Like we were, we were the good guys. Like we're not the South and that's ridiculous and not true. Um, cause I'm not off the hook, you know? And then, Again, again, my parents being like the liberal New Yorkers they are, they 
I lived in a colorblind, color silent household where like we had friends that looked all different. We dated people that looked different, but my parents never brought it up. You know, they were just like, right, right, right. we're all the same. And, and, mm -hmm. and, you know, everyone is a good person and blah, blah, blah. And so it just erases, um, the black experience in this country, which is completely awful and foreign to me because of my white privilege. So I've had to do a lot of work and also get very comfortable very quickly on how to talk about this stuff at a, a developmentally appropriate age for my two and a half year old. I think there's different ways to talk about it with a two and a half year old versus a five year old versus a 15 year old. Um, right. But yeah, I've been really fortunate. Again, Katie's Crib, this podcast has been such a blessing because whenever I don't know anything which is always I'm like let's get that ex like I'm sure I like let's get yeah. that expert on and use me for like yeah. things I mean yes we're doing a lot of work with race right now which is so important um we're also offering moms like tons of specials on coronavirus like pregnancy during COVID or what are the real yeah. risks for your toddler? Should they or shouldn't they go back to school and why? What's the risk? What's the reward? But then also episodes like potty training, pelvic floor. Like I just had a baby and I can't stop peeing when I laugh and cough. Like what's wrong with I'm me? I'm about to start pelvic floor physical therapy it's too. It's so great. I did it after I, I know. It's so great. I have a whole episode So I have on never, it. okay, I've never had kids. I haven't had kids yet, but I get UTIs very regularly. Oh, no. I'm so sorry. Yes, but okay. she's making the efforts to change I'm that. making the efforts to change that. And that is something that um, one of our listeners suggested to me. And so I'm going to start because they said it really, really helped. And then they said it helps also just to be familiar and start doing that when you it's be, such when you do great work. Kids. I mean, it's so it's so ridiculous. But around the vagina and anything related to it, there's so much shame and we're not allowed to talk about it. And so it that translates into motherhood so much and labor and I mean, guys, you push a baby out, whichever way, whether it's cesarean or vaginally or whatever, it is major trauma. And you're just yeah. left, like you get one 20 minute doctor's appointment six weeks later and you're just sent on your way. And most people are completely ravaged mm -hmm. physically, also mentally, emotionally. I mean, it's yeah. really hard. Mm -hmm. Anyway, I'm really glad you're going to a pelvic floor specialist. <laughs> I went, changed my life. Um, after or before pregnancy? I went after, after. Okay, um, yeah. I did Broadway with my husband and, and I had a seven month old and I realized, Oh, like I keep thinking I should wear depends on stage because I'm scared that I'm going to do a lift or something. And I'm just going to like open up a bucket floodgate <laughs> of pee all over the ground. And like, that's not normal. And like, no one's talking <laughs> to me about it. And again, I was like, Katie's crib. We need to have pelvic floor therapy talked about endlessly. We need to get specialists on it. I need to go and then report back and tell the listeners why this isn't talked about. Anyway, the UTI thing is, oh, I have a bunch of girlfriends that are plagued with UTIs. It is a, it oh. is a nightmare. Send them my way because I now I'm like the expert. Like I literally have like a laundry list. Like I had a girlfriend text me this morning. She was like, "My friend gets them off. Can you send me what you've been doing?" And I like it literally was like an entire notes page. I'm I was like, "Here so you go." Have glad. Fun. I'm so. I mean, just no one should be living in any sort of discomfort in in that region. Like you just shouldn't. It's but you're awful. so you're so right. There is so much shame that goes along with it. Nobody wants to a talk about it publicly. B people. A lot of people are admit, are like embarrassed to admit it to that their friends and stuff. Oh my god, you know? for sure. So and it translates. Like, into opening. all of motherhood. It's like, if you have anything wrong with yourself physically, like I had a miscarriage and it was like, whoa, like I'm, I am a failure. 
like I'm broken, I'm a failure, my parts don't work. Or if you're someone who had a really difficult fertility journey, like couldn't get pregnant on the first try, Mm -hmm. it's unbelievable how quick you go to what's wrong with me, I'm broken, Mm -hmm. I'm less of a woman, all of these things. And then once you have your children, however you get them, um, if you're not great at it at first, again, you feel like, a failure. Like I, and you shouldn't be a pro from the get go. Like you just shouldn't. It's hard. You've never done it before. Being a mom is a full-time job, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and no one's perfect. But I just feel selfishly just the Katie's crib community is like the place I go when I'm, when I'm like need a laugh and everyone feels like garbage and some days are good days and some days are bad, but at least we're not alone. You know? Yeah, I feel like so you're you're a working mom. Yeah. You have a husband. You have kids. Yeah. You have a job, and your job is very like weird. It's demanding <laughs> of your. It's weird, but it's like demanding of your time and attention. You can't like compartmentalize it. You have to like actually be in there and like transform into a different person. Yeah. You know, like is it how is it like how do you manage it all at once? Is it are you able to manage it? No, all at once? you don't. It's complete bullcrap. Like everyone that says I'm, you can have it all, is a liar. Um, because any day where, and I, I sort of, uh, I failed at first really practicing that because even I, who knew that to be the case, like Shonda Rhimes had said to me, and she's an incredible mom of three girls. She had said, there's no way any day that I'm at my kid's recital and I'm fully present is the day that I'm missing Sandra O's last day on Grey's Anatomy or the day that I'm not tucking my kids into bed is the day that I'm busting ass on the script that's due for an episode. You know what I mean? It's not possible. And even though I knew that in the back of my head, when I had my son, I was still like, and I, and I just talked to, I just did an episode with America Ferreira and she had the exact same experience, but we were both like, we had our kids and we were like, Oh no, no, no. I'm going to bring my kids to set and I'm going to run from set and I'm going to rock this scene. And then on my 10 minute break, I'm going to run back and I'm going to breastfeed the SHIT out of my kid. And then I'm going to rush back to set and I'm going to flip flop where I was on waitress. I was at, I was on waitress on Broadway and on two show days where I had a three hour matinee, a three hour evening, I would run home in between both shows. I would breastfeed, give him a bath, give him his dinner, put him down and then get back to the theater at seven 30. My husband was also in the show and he would say, no, no, I'm just going to hang out at the theater all day today um, because I really want to focus on my job, which is the musical, and we're off tomorrow. And tomorrow, I'm going to go really hard in the fatherhood department. And I would resent him, and I'd be like, you're an ass. I hate you. I'm so mad. And it turns out he had it right, and I didn't, which is, it's it's just not realistic you to split yourself and your time and your energy and your focus because you end up doing both kind of badly, (laughs) you know? So I actually had to realize like, no, my son doesn't come to set to visit on days that I have really hard scenes. Like Mm -hmm. it means I might leave that day before he wakes up and I might come home after he's asleep and not see him that day, but I'm going to really make up for it. You know, in three days, mommy has a day off and we're going to have a lot of focused present time. And he's never going to feel like I'm absent, but I also can't feel like I'm absent from my job, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, wow. So it's been a real, and not to say that it's not hard. It is, you know, you, that mom guilt is a real freaking thing. Mm-hmm. And I was going to say, how do you have that conversation with your husband? Like, when, is that easy to do? When I was pissed? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, 
No, well, he didn't care. Like, how did you see, care. like, how was he able to communicate to care. you that, like. He was like, you're running <laughs> yourself ragged. Like, this is absolutely ridiculous. Like, he's seven months old. He doesn't know if you made it there for those two hours. Like, that's all your own crap that you're putting on him. He's fine. He's safe. He's loved. He's fed. He's sheltered. He's clothed. You did your parenting part. Get back to the theater. Have a good time. Do your job. And, like. Don't exhaust yourself because what ended up happening actually, now that I think back, is like there were two weekends of the show that I had to call out and have my understudy go on because I got sick. Like at one yeah. point, your body's going to say, you can't be in two places at once. And that never happened right. to him because he really, um, he just split his time more effectively so that he could really be in one place at one time and then move on to the other place at one time. And I'm, you know, now, of course, I'm grateful to him because it's a great reminder and he's better at it than I am at really, you know, focusing his time. But it's hard, you know, it's, it's hard. It was a hard lesson. It still is because my gut wants to do everything, you know, at once. But I know it, all that will do is leave me depleted. Well, I was listening. So I went from the racism episode to the interview with uh, Bryce Dallas mm. Howard and she was talking about how she thought mm. first of all it was really cool listening to these like superstars <laughs> have this like girl like friendship moment Aww. talking about their college years and, <laughs> um yeah. but she said something that I thought was so interesting which is that she thought she was going to be so great at being a mom like it wasn't going to become so natural yeah. and she didn't really know if her husband was going to how he was going to be with the baby. And then she had this moment where he held the, she kind of freaked out. And then he held the baby and was like, I think he said something like, you can be anything you want. Like this really sweet moment of her being like, oh, wow, maybe he's the one that's more equipped or just like it it came naturally naturally in that moment. Yeah, Yeah, she really struggled. She struggled really hard with postpartum depression. I had postpartum blues, um, which is just different in that mine kind of lifted at about the three week mark and started to um, lift and change. But, you know, once you get to like three weeks, if you still don't feel like a resemblance of yourself and you can't get, get out of bed, it's really time to call for help, whether, you know, that's your significant other, your partner, your mom, whoever it is. But, um, you know, it's not really talked about a lot. We talk a lot about it on Katie's Crib. I've had a lot of different, Casey Wilson is also a celebrity guest who's incredible, who struggled uh, with postpartum depression. And um, it's a real thing. And it, and it, and it's so weird because it like, similarly to Bryce, I was a nanny for 10 years. I've always loved kids. I, I have a lot of energy. I'm a super positive person. I, thankfully, I really have not struggled much with depression in my life. Um, so there's no way when I brought my son home that I thought otherwise, that I would just be in like all the romantic love in my bed, breastfeeding my son, my eyeballs turned into hearts. That was not the case. I was miserable. I was like crying every five minutes. I felt mm. like a physical mess. I didn't feel connected. I felt connected to him in the hospital, like when I first laid eyes on him. But once I brought him home, I felt like, who is this stranger in my house that has ruined my life? Like, I really liked my life. What did I do? Can I get on a plane, like scandal style and get a fake identity and like move somewhere else and do this all over again? Because I'm just, this is not, this is really hard. Like no sleep 
is awful. Like it's bad. <laughs> and, um, and having to sit in diapers and like have stitches in, it, it's just awful. Like it's just really hard. Yeah. Um, that part really It's really, really hard to, to, be, to be fair. There's also like my best friend was pregnant at the same time. She was having a completely opposite experience. She came over after a week after giving birth and dropped to her knees in my kitchen and was like, I have never felt, lo- I wake up in the middle of the night and I look at my baby and I look at my husband and I can't believe the overwhelming love I feel. And she was just bursting at the seams. So it's like, it's complete crapshoot. It's like, it doesn't make sense. Like it's like so hormonally and chemically based. And all I tell my listeners yeah. is like, all you can do is really be prepared. Like whether that means you know, you have a therapist locked and loaded for the week after you give birth to do check-ins, you know, you might be great. You might not need him or her, but like just yeah. to have that support system in place or the conversation I had with my husband, which was, listen to me, if you look at me in two, three weeks after we give birth to this child and I am not a person you recognize, you got to help me. Okay. Like you got to mm-hmm. help me call the people, get medication if I need it make sure I'm taking breaks. I might need to like get more sleep. I don't know, but, um, it's just sort of setting up. And we do an episode about this with Dr. Alyssa Berlin, like a post birth plan for your mental health. Yeah. Well, I, on that episode, I think she went to Canada and they offered a mental, um, like check-in. Yeah. And I was like, well, everyone should have Oh, it's awful post- here. It's so silly. You get a piece of paper at the six week checkup that just has like a smiley face, a line for a smile or a frown. And you like, or like, have you had thoughts of killing yourself? Check yes or no. Like literally, like, it's just like a five questionnaire question that the insurance companies get makes you fill out at your six week OB appointment, but there's nothing beyond that. And it's, you know, just, you know, we live in a, patriarchal society. It's just really not, um, you know, maternal mental health is, uh, not considered. And so I hope, you know, Katie's crib listeners, I just hope that they know that there's, that it, that there's stuff out there that they can do, that they can put in motion before they have a baby, or if they have sneaking suspicion afterwards that something really is feeling off and it is normal to feel off for a few weeks. I mean, crying out of nowhere is a thing. I mean, you are a hormonal disaster. Um, But like I said, if you're making it to the three, four week mark and you're not laughing or you're having trouble getting out of bed, we gotta, we gotta seek help, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I know we have a lot of listeners who, we have a lot of listeners who are single and then we have a lot who are uh, parenting and they're, I, like I said, I, it was, um, interesting for me as someone who does not have children that I found so much value in the podcast. And so Aww. I imagine as a, as a mom going or a parent going through these things, it's, it's really a place of, um, comfort, comfort and like feeling safe and feeling, um, normal in how you're feeling or thinking. So, um, everyone should check that Thank out. Thank you, my and dear. You can li- anywhere you can listen to podcasts, Thank right? Thank you. Anywhere you can listen to podcasts, iHeartRadio, or anywhere you where you get your podcasts, and tell your mom friends, and tell anyone that's thinking about getting pregnant or is pregnant during this time. We're offering a lot of help during COVID and quarantine, and um, and also all the race stuff. I think is really helpful, or I'm hoping it's helpful to parents because it's definitely yeah. overwhelming and. 
Um, but then also there's like just really good times. Like we have amazing guests, yeah. like amazing celebrities that you might be a fan of. And they're also hilarious moms. And you can hear crazy stories. Like when Dax Shepard like breastfed a knot out of Kristen Bell's boob. Like it's just ridiculous. <laughs> like we do. Oh my God. It's crazy. She had like a clog duct and they were like away on vacation oh, yeah, and there was I've only one that. way to get it out people. And Dax was the only person <laughs> around. So, um, there's just a lot of funny stuff too, that is uplifting and, and, and makes you feel good. I, um, we, I asked our Facebook group cause they're big fans of Shondaland in general, sure. and I wanted them to have an t- opportunity to ask any questions. So I'm going to get to those, sure. but I first wanted to say, um, so years ago I was on The Bachelor and oh, I, I know. was, oh, <laughs> I was such a huge fan of Grey's Anatomy and Scandal. And I think I saw like a, an interview or a tweet or something from you that you watched it. And I was like, oh, it's my husband and my favorite show. It's like our show. Like it's like the most exciting thing about being on scandal on ABC was going to the TCA upfronts every year. And like, whoever was the bachelor bachelorette was there. And I was like, I don't give a crap about any of the actors that are here from other shows. I just want to meet the bachelor or bachelorette, like, and take a million pictures with them and then send them to my husband. But we were on like, there used to be that show after the after No, no, no. There oh, yeah, yeah, after the road, I was on that. Yeah. Oh yeah, we were the whole scandal cast, not the whole scandal cast, but like Josh Molina, huge fan. Scott Foley, we got him into it. Um, oh, I have a great story about Scott. the whole. Oh, his really? Wife, his wife. She's the best. Marika was like so into the show, but like we, <laughs> she she did not like me on that. <gasps> not a Becca said, fan. She was the first troll that I had, where I was like, oh, people don't like me. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> But anyways, I, I mean, that to be fair, Marika is like the greatest human being and I love her to pieces. She's also one of the brashest, loudest, <laughs> incredible Brooklynites I've ever met. And like, she's loud and amazing. And so it doesn't shock me that she was like, I, you know, you know, she was just speaking her well, mind. It's just like you watch, you know, you ro- you watch these shows and you don't They're really people. think of them as, I mean, I do it now, right. even watching the show, I say things and I'm like, oh wait, I was, I was one of those people. Mm-hmm. So, but I ended up meeting Scott at an iHeart event and I, I, we like had a joke about it and he was like, honestly, I remember this because I told her that I didn't want her to be associated with anything mean that she was thinking about <laughs> any of the girls in the past. <laughs> So I love it. It all came full circle and went that way. So oh, I love uh, it. I just thought it was the coolest thing. Oh, we're the biggest enjoyed. fans ever. Like you're, I, I know exactly who you are. I can't like, I, <laughs> that show got me through. It's the best. Like, it's just the absolute know, best. Great. And I feel oh, just like lost without it right now. I know. I well, know. You know. They're, they're going to film the bachelorette season. I've, and air I've it. heard this. So thank God. This is a good way for maybe y'all to continue filming as well and do the whole system that they're doing where it's just, yeah, I think they're quarantining right now. Yeah. Springs. They're quarantining yeah. and then they're going to, and then they're going to start, and then they're gonna start filming. Yeah. We might have to do that. I'm, I mean, I think everyone's sort of like seeing how these first things get out the gate and how they go. And then, We'll see if we can copy it, but oh my God, I can't wait. I mean, I love that show so much. <laughs> I know. I honestly, like, I'm so excited to see, like, 
if Claire kisses as many people as they normally do, because oh, I feel yeah. like I wouldn't. Oh, yeah, yeah. But they're all they're all quarantine safe, I, quarantine. right? But like, still, like I know it's okay. gonna feel a little bit. Well, she should. We're gonna I think cringe. she should for the sake of all of us, like for the sake of <laughs> all my single friends. And okay, for the sake of all my single friends who aren't getting to like date right now, a. And B, for all of my hitched friends who it's just not that sexy right now because it's a global <laughs> pandemic and like, I don't know anybody who's in the mood. Um, I think it would be so great if she could like really spark it for all of us, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> she could really like get yeah, it on. Yeah, like I would just yeah, love to I watch agree. it. Then I'd be like, Adam, remember that? Like people get it on. Like that's what people <laughs> do. And like, we should stop being so stressed and anxious about everyone being sick. Um, which is a real I know. Thing. Can you imagine how stressed we're going to be watching people get have conversations close You guys, to one I watch, like, I, I'm watching Shit's Creek right now, and I'm watching it, and I'm like, how are they having all those people in one oh, right no, now? It's, like, it's so, so like, weird. The anxiety. I mean, it's just so <laughs> yeah. weird. It's just so... It's, it's, I mean, this is the weirdest. Adam, my husband's grandmother is 96 and we FaceTime her all the time. And she was like, this is literally the weirdest thing I've ever witnessed in my 96 years. Like, and you're just like, <laughs> holy sure. crap. Like she's lived through some stuff and you're just like, yeah, whoa. Yeah. Like how long, how long have you guys been married? We've been married eight years and we've been together 14. <laughs> I know. I mean, that is a, I know it's a rarity. Know, it's, a, it's a rarity. Yeah. And actually, you know, similarly scandal, like it was such a, oh my God, I love these people so much, this cast. Um, there was a lot of sort of like, we were so close in, in Hollywood and everyone sort of knew it and everyone was like, we don't believe it. There's got to be like, you know, some bullcrap drama going on. And there truly, truly wasn't. But I only mean it to say like a lot of people in the cast um, had have been in really beautiful, committed relationships. And so all of our significant others are also really close. And Adam calls it the scandal wives club um which is everybody's significant other and like they would have brunch and hang out and like it was so funny it was like such a dream team of people we're still on a like a huge whatsapp chain all of us and our significant others we text all week and then like the scandal ladies we just had a zoom hang on friday um oh my gosh wait can i how did you know that um, Adam, your husband, was I the didn't. One? Well, <laughs> we were set up through a mutual... When I moved to LA, this chick who's one of my best friends um, said, there's this dude that lives in LA and you're going to meet him and you're going to marry him. You're going to move out to... I had a different boyfriend. You're going to move out to LA with this other dude. It's not going to last. He's going to go back to New York. You're going to meet this dude. His name's Adam Shapiro, but everyone calls him Shappy. You're going to meet Shappy. It's going to be done. She told him the same thing. This New York City actress is coming out. You guys are going to be done. We met at her mutual birthday party and I was like, uh, what? No, like absolutely not. And he thought the same thing about me. He thought I was like a weird theater drama girl from New York. (laughs) I was like, my husband has a, you think I, my husband has the biggest personality of anyone I've ever met. And I was like, this guy is over the top. Like I can't. (laughs) Um, and so it wasn't love at first sight by any means. Um, and I kept running into him at her mutual, like another one of her birthdays or her friend's birthday, we'd be at the thing. And eventually we just started talking because we kept running into each other. And one night we were out late and he was like one of the last people standing. And so was I, and he asked for my number and I actually considered him not giving him the correct number. 
Like I was like, I can't, like, I'm just like really not interested. I gave him my number. He texted me saying, I wanted to go to a really fancy dinner, which sparked my interest. Cause at the time I was a waitress and I was only dating dudes who were broke AF and he was a commercial actor. Like he would book a lot of commercials a year. So he actually like had a washer and dryer in his apartment and like a parking spot. And that was a huge plus. Um, and so we went out and it was like, I got hit with a, like Cupid's arrow. It was like, you know, we kissed on the first date. Whoopsie doodle. Did you feel, did you feel tingles in your oh, vagina? Yeah. I was so into this dude. And I was like, oh no. Like what just happened? Like I was not into this guy. I had all my guards up. I have interests elsewhere. Like I was sort of going after other people. Like I wasn't really in. And then we like kissed and had a great time. And I guess that's how, you know, pheromones are like a real thing. You know what I mean? Cause it was like almost bigger than my, I couldn't control it. Like it was like all of a sudden mm-hmm. I was obsessed with him. Um, and he was like, I want to take you out tomorrow night. And I was like, yes. And he smelled so good and he was a great kisser and like, I was so into him. And then he dumped me after a month of dating. Yes. He dumped me because- Wait, why? Were you too clingy? No, he dumped me because he thought I was like too wild. I was much younger and I was like drinking a lot and like smoking cigarettes and I was 20, you know, I was like 26. I just moved to LA. I was like, you know, acting my age. And he was like, look, like, I think you're cool, but I don't want to start caring about someone I have to worry about. So I'm just going to go. And I was waitressing at the time. And I went, he broke up with me at like 4am and at 7am I was working a brunch shift on a Saturday and I was sobbing at every table and like out of my mind. And I saw him a month later at the girl who introduced us birthday party again. And we saw each other across the room. This girl has a lot of parties. I know, it really sounds like it. I know. I need to be friends with her. I like her. I like her friend. She doesn't anymore. It's so sad. But anyway, uh, we saw each other at the bar, like from a, like in a movie, like across the bar. And it was just electric. Even though he had dumped me, I showed up with all my girlfriends in tow, looking like as sexy as I possibly could. And I was like, I'm going to make him regret that. Like, how dare he? But of course, if you've been dumped by a dude, it made me want him so much more, which is just awful. Like, what that says about me being treat like someone, but also it wasn't that he treated me like crap. It just, he was like, honest, he was like, I don't, you know, get your shit together. Like, I don't want to worry about mm-hmm. someone. So I'm just going to go. And I just was like, what? Like, I was so shocked. And then I was like, dude, not only are you going to get back with me, but you're going to marry me. You don't even know that yet. But <laughs> you're going to marry me. And then we were after that, the next time we ran into each other, it was so on and it was years of dating and then I just take everything really slowly I don't do anything quickly so it was like four years of dating two years of engagement five years of marriage before getting pregnant <laughs> wow what a great but he's story the best. he's like he's been on scandal uh, oh I know I mean I know all about y'all oh, I'm telling you you know all oh, about me I know all about he's y'all the best. he's like literally a, a gem he's on a show right now called never have I ever um Mindy Kaling's Netflix show oh I've been wanting yeah. to watch it's that such a good binge watch for quarantine like I can't everybody's been saying say that enough. Yeah, he yeah, plays yeah. Mr. Shapiro the history teacher he's like in a bunch of episodes he's hilarious and adorable and um, he's the best dad. I'm like really. Um, he he is the best thing I've. He that's the best thing I ever did. 
like in my life like was hitch was get this dude to be mine because he is a dreamboat and a light force and I couldn't oh my god quarantining so hard um with a significant other just because you're asking them to be everything for you you know can you be my friend can you be my partner can you be my therapist can you be my chef can you be my nanny can you like it's just crazy um and he and we're okay like we're okay we're still here we're still together (laughs) that's awesome I love love. oh that's so I do too I do too. <laughs> I really do. Like I found myself the other day. I, I'm just, I'm watching Shit's Creek. Mm-hmm. I'm almost done actually. And I'm actually really sad about Aww. it um, being over, but there's like a, the show isn't very like lovey dovey at all, but there's some really tender moments in it. And I'm like sobbing. You're like crying. sobbing. Yeah. Yeah. I also <laughs> think in quarantine, doing? we just like really need emotional releases for, cause there's just like <laughs> yeah, no yeah, interaction, yeah. but yes. I've seen a couple episodes and was blown away by the talent. I'm, I'm, you're reminding me. I got it. Maybe that's going to be my watch list tonight. Oh, it's so funny. It's so funny. Are you? I can't believe you're not done yet. I feel like you've I'm, been watching it for years. I know because I like don't want to finish it. So I'm on the final season and I'm like, I don't want it to be over. You take things slowly. So I'm watching mm-hmm. each mm-hmm. episode like in two days and each episode is like 20 minutes. So I'm like, okay, guys, I had 10 minutes left. I can't oh, finish this episode. It's really, wow. You have a lot of self-discipline. I'm like very impressed. I know. I don't Did have you guys that. watch yeah, Normal People? My middle name. Did you watch Normal People? No, but my younger, my sister told me that I should watch it. She said, she said the two character, the two main characters, she was like, at first I didn't get it, but she goes, the, there's this chemistry between them that is just like, you want to keep watching. steamy. Let me tell you, it is a steamy, steamy watch. What's it called? Normal Normal People People on Hulu. Hulu. It's an Irish BBC drama, a classic, like we fell in love in high school and we lose our virginities to each other and like how we were woven in and out of each other's lives for the following like five or six years. But it's really hot. The acting is out of control. Amazing. And it's so like, you get that nostalgic feeling of like, you know, your first love, your first like kiss, your first like sexual experience and like all of that, these two are on fire. And like, you're just like sitting there like, whoa, oh my God. Like, is anyone, like, is my kid asleep? This is crazy. It's really good. <laughs> well, she didn't tell me that. I'm oh, it's excited. really <laughs> good. It's real. But again, she's right. Like get, get past the first couple episodes but the only reason I bring it up is because every episode is only like 27 28 minutes and like I was pacing myself to not end it I was like devastated when it was over yeah I love shows like that though oh yeah so so good so good so good yeah Mm. Um, okay, I want to ask you some. I know we've had you. Oh, I don't know. I feel like we need to let people know. It's so yeah. great. Cause so- my, my husband has my son right now. And like, I really should go out there. <laughs> but I'm working, you know, like I'm working. <laughs> that's right, that's right. So I have to focus. Yeah. Um, so there were a lot of questions about the scandal cast. Do y'all keep in yes. touch? Which um, Very you much. did answer, um, which is just Aww. a great great answer that we love to hear um one of uh delaney clatterbuck asked which scandal death was the most sad were you the most sad about when james died dan bukatinsky he was shot by scott foley's character jake ballard i I know and he was jeff perry cyrus's boyfriend um and he was our first like 
huge death on the show. Like he was our first, like, you've done 30 episodes, you're part of our family and you're going to die. And it was just so heartbreaking. I also just loved the character and I loved him mm-hmm. and Cyrus together. I thought their dynamic was so mm-hmm. great. Um, and he's a really good friend, but it was just so heartbreaking. And then it was really scary because we were like, oh, like anyone can die on this show. Oh no. Like we're on one of those shows where we might not have a job, you know? Yeah. Welcome to Shondaland. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, You're like, don't get attached to anyone because they might be gone the next episode. Um, Melanie Rose said, just tell her I started working in politics because of scandal Aww. and I love telling people it's handled, Aww. but I only get to do the legal things. Aww. That's, so, That's funny. so great. Well, she should be using it with pride and use it loud and proud like it's the best oh and that's so great oh I love I love to hear that I know isn't that I love so to cool? hear that um and then someone wanted to know uh well someone Elizabeth said she's binging your podcast and she adores oh, you and the podcast so, nice. so I'm glad that people feel the same way that oh, I have so nice. listening to it um, and then someone wanted to know, was it weird for you to film the scenes where she was torturing people with Huck, which I thought was such a great it's question. It's so weird. I mean, I so... never, it's so weird. Like I no, it's not my bag. Like I, like, again, I don't think it's coincidental that I've like never played a doctor. Cause I don't really like, um, acting with like fake blood and like, all that like it's just so gross like it gets so sticky and like you're covered in it and it's just like sweaty and horrible so like every time we would do a torture scene there was like tons of blood and drills and knives and like Guillermo loved it because Guillermo's favorite genre of anything is horror so he like loved it but I'm just like kind of girly and I'm like oh can we just do a walk and talk like in the White House where we sit (laughs) across from each other on a desk and like have a power struggle like I love that um but no I was not a huge fan I mean I was a huge fan of being a badass I liked that and I liked mm-hmm. you know I had to do some weird stuff I mean I learned how to use a gun on the show like stuff I would have never done like I had to go to shooting ranges and drive fast cars and wear leather boots and walk and wear leather coats I loved all that but as soon as the blood yeah. started coming out I was like oh god I don't, this is not for me <laughs> yeah. I mean it was dark. Dark. Too. It was like some really dark super stuff. dark. I kind of forgot because it's been so long and reading the questions I was like, "Oh my gosh, I forgot." Oh my god, it was so that. violent. It was, it was super violent and gruesome. So violent. And like I'm not I don't watch shows like that. I like I don't watch violence. Yeah. I'm like this girl where I'm like, "Oh god, just tell me what's happening. Me I don't want to see this." <laughs> so, it's cool to get to act it, but but it's just like not my favorite. <laughs> Well, a lot of people had that question and a lot of them followed it up with how amazing you were in those scenes. So I think that's why they're wondering, was it weird or was that something that you've been wanting to do your whole Oh my God, no. I had this like huge physical like um, fight scene with George Newbern where we break up and we're like breaking lamps over each other's head and I'm wrestling him to the ground and I'm punching him a thousand times in the face. I mean, this is the closest I'm going to get to like being an action hero or whatever, like And I didn't, I was like, this is just like, not my, I'm much more of like a rom-com girl, you know, like I want to just like that sort of, I want to do like a, like that sort of thing. Um, Even though I had a great time um, and I loved the challenge of it. And I also loved that Shonda believed that I could do it, which I thought was really 
nice, um, but it's not where my heart lies. My heart lies far more in like silly falling. Like they'd always, whenever we would do scandal, I'd be like, okay, can I do like a trip? Like, whoops, like I fall over here and they were like, wrong show, wrong show. And I'm like, okay, 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 got it, got it, got it, got it, got it. Like, it's just like, not, I'm more silly um, and yeah. sort of bright. And so I'm glad I've gotten to do dark stuff, you know, cause it's not um, right. my usual, but um, yeah, it wasn't my favorite. <laughs> And it's probably the most well, action the I'll thing... ever do in my entire career. Yeah, yeah. Well, you did. I mean, you really went, Thank you. You went Thank for you. it. They really Thank made you, you go I for tried. it. Um, and you were so good that people thought that it's what you like to do. Yeah. So congrats. No, no. <laughs> um, one of the, a bunch of other questions were about Waitress and working with your yeah. husband and performing on Broadway versus doing, at, yes. you know, a TV show. And they were wondering that experience versus you know, being on a screen. Yeah, stage like is so much harder. It's where my heart lies. Like I grew up as like a real theater nerd, like always in acting class or singing class or dancing class. And I've always preferred the stage. I prefer to go to theater. It's so heartbreaking that I don't know, like theater, I think is like the last round of things that are going to be safe to open up. Obviously makes sense. A lot of people in a closed space. Right. Um, Theater is my heart and soul. It's my baby. Like nothing gives me more excitement than sitting in like off Broadway, Broadway house at curtain and like the curtains about to rise. Like I just feel like a little kid again. And it's like, I grew up in New York and like having that, you know, every birthday, all I'd want was to go and like sit in the rafter seats and like get a ticket to anything, you know, and just watch something. And in high school, I was an usher. And just so that I could watch some of the shows for free. I love theater. And then when I finally got the chance to do Broadway, I couldn't believe how hard that is. Like that is that schedule of eight shows a week, only having Mondays off um, is so challenging and it's so exhausting and it uses your whole body and you're con if it was a musical. So you're constantly, you know, it changes your whole life. You're so worried about your voice all the time. Like, for me, I couldn't go out to restaurants where you're speaking loudly, you know, drinking alcohol, drinking milk, like all these things I like alcohol. Like I love to do, I love going out to restaurants and drinking wine. Like what the hell? Like it was just like, yeah. you know, that's the stuff that makes Broadway actors like Olympians. Like they're like the equivalent of like the Olympic actors. Okay. And then TV is so great because it's like cushy. It's like, it's just like, you know, there's, a PA around that you're like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. Would you mind getting me like a bottle of water with like a straw in it so it doesn't mess up my lipstick? I mean, it's just like a different, I remember asking for water on Broadway, yeah. our first rehearsal. I was like, oh, can I get a water? And they were like, yeah, the vending machine's down the hall. And I was like, oh, <laughs> this is different. Like, this is really different. Um, and so it's a little bit more of like hardcore. Like, it's just like a little bit more street cred to me and like, um, it's just hard and TV's hard too in a different way and a different kind of grind. I mean, like what Carrie Washington did for eight years on Scandal is absolutely insane. Shooting 80 hour weeks, learning 20 pages a night, performing monologues perfectly word for word. Like that's crazy, but that was not my Scandal experience. You know, I was like um, an ensemble character. So I had weeks and episodes right. that might've been really, 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 really hard. But then there might've been weeks where my character wasn't featured as much. And so it was really kind of cushy. Like I would work a couple days a week. So I really had yeah. it good. You know? <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> I really was like, this is really like a nice setup, you know? <laughs> yeah, you're like, I enjoy having someone get me a water bottle. Oh my bottle. God, and when I was water pregnant, with <laughs> when I was pregnant, you know, Shonda Rhimes is like the greatest person you could ever work for um, transitioning into motherhood. And they like were scared about my stairs outside my trailer. So they built me like a whole front porch onto my trailer so that I wasn't going up and down stairs. I had a PA like assigned to me. So I would just be like, I think I need another peanut butter and jelly sandwich. You know, it was just like so cared for and looked after and supported. And then once my baby was there, like going back to my trailer and breastfeeding, like every two and a half hours and the whole crew would stop and wait for me to be finished. I remember wow. going back to work and the lovely Teamsters like knocking on my trailer door, like, um, what's your ETA? And I'd be like, I have no idea. I just learned how to breastfeed like two months ago. I don't know what I'm doing. Like, <laughs> you know, and yeah. they would be patient with me and wait. Um, Carrie was the, my first That's director so nice. back when I went back after maternity leave and she was the first director of the scandal episode. And it was just like, she's incredible. And she'd obviously, you know, um, had two babies on the show. So she just was so supportive. I mean, the whole thing was just, I probably should have had like seven babies on that show, but I didn't, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you taken yeah. advantage yeah. of the, yeah. the help. That's so nice to hear though. Like, I, know, so oh, it's I mean, we're utopia. obviously it's our the whole greatest place is. to work. I mean, it's the greatest place to work regardless. Um, and it just makes me wish that like every business could be just led by women and like women of color period, because everything would just be better. Um, but it was remarkable. I mean, like I said, how we're coming around full circle, she gave me Grey's Anatomy and then I get pregnant and she gave me a platform of a podcast because she believed in me. Um, and that's just not like usual boss etiquette or like, I come in and I tell her I'm pregnant and she's like honestly excited and working her butt off to make sure I feel supported. I feel like a lot of women probably walk into their place of work absolutely petrified uh, to say terrified. that they're pregnant yeah. and what's going to come down their way that's going to be like some sort of punishment or, you know, some sort of, you know, other people getting, you know, being passed over because of family life choices that they're making. I mean, just that behavior is, there's no, uh -huh. nothing like that. Um, in Shondaland. Yeah. It's so incredible true. to hear so that. And it's still super, like, it's like she's the making all these choices and it's wildly successful. It's like, see people like <laughs> everyone should be copying this. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. I mean, if you're trying to, I feel like everyone who's in the industry doing what Shonda Rhimes does is like, I want to do that. And these are the reasons why it's working because she's yep. running it like this. Exactly. <laughs> well you've been one of Aww. my favorite guests we've ever had you're on the podcast. so kind to say that I can't wait to tell my husband that I know you <laughs> he's gonna lose his dang mind no, I just I'm telling you I I had like it was one of the coolest moments and then after Ben season when I got dumped my I'm so I went sorry I about went that to... what an idiot sorry see here <laughs> I am I'm great. talking trash him. about he's... somebody he's probably a very nice person whatever see but I, I was in San Diego at the time and I was like, I'm just not ready to go back yet. So I stayed with Ashley. I on her couch and we, we would literally sleep till like noon, watch scandal all day, order Aww. takeout. And so I just have these like fond Aww. memories of just that time of my life because of 
because of you and because that is has. so Scandal, truly nice to hear. And now you can probably hear my toddler screaming and running outside. This is the one room in the house where the door locks, so I'm safe. Um, and and I hope you have a great um, pelvic floor doctor experience. You can listen to the Thank episode you. with my experience if you're interested. And also, I just think it's really yeah, great to excited. like update your listeners because this. This is, we all have to do our work to normalize this type of care for women and their hoo-hahs. That's true. Tanya I, is I've become leading. like the vagina oh, queen. I'm so glad. <laughs> I'm, I'm so lot. glad. Yeah. I'm so glad. It's great. <laughs> Let's do it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, everyone go listen to Katie's Crib, anywhere where you can listen to podcasts. And we so appreciate you. You and can't wait for the Netflix show great. to come out whenever yeah. right. the time comes. Thank you, so thank much you for your guys time. for your Seriously, time. Thank Have you a great so much. day, and I'll, hopefully, I'll see you soon. Okay, bye. Bye. Okay, she's amazing. I feel like Tanya's just like, can we put, I'm shocked you didn't invite her over to watch a show or something. I guess with COVID, you don't do that anymore. <laughs> well, uh, fun fact, we have a mutual friend. Who? Uh, this girl that lives in New York. She does my makeup whenever I have events in New uh -huh. York. And she was like, we've done Broadway together. She's so amazing. And I was like, Maybe we can get her in our friend circle. <laughs> I just couldn't, like, I finally was like, I feel like she, she, I think she finally said she had to go. But in my head, I was like, I could have talked to her. I just was having so much fun. Yeah. She was so awesome. You know, it's funny. You said that you still think about things that Katie said in that interview from last week. And I still, Andy Grammer, I still think about things he said in that interview from last year, I think that yes. was. Just over the weekend, I thought about some Andy Grammer. I would love to have him back. I would too. I he posted something on Instagram the other day that literally made my heart melt. It was like his daughter um, was holding his hand while she was eating breakfast, and I can't remember what his daughter's name is, but he said in the caption it said like, "Let's say her name is Chloe." Like, Chloe says, "Dad, can we hold hands?" You know, um, while we have breakfast, and he says, "Yeah, sure," and holds holds her hand. But he goes internally, he like he goes internally. I'm just like melt like. <laughs> like he's like oh my god I can't believe this is happening like freaking out internally but like just acted cool when she said it it was the cutest thing yeah I love him that's sweet yeah um okay so we have some emails some challenging emails that are gonna be some tough we're gonna have to really tap into our you know advice it's column good, good thing I've been reading up on my self-help books <laughs> Um, so, Mark, I want to start with Nicole because I, I, I don't know what to tell Nicole. I'm kind of baffled by this one, but I have some thoughts. Anyway, Nicole says, I've been with my boyfriend for four years. I'm 27. He's 28. We both believe this is our forever and have talked about getting married, moving in and all of the things. He lives in a very small studio and I live with my mom. So moving into one of our places now isn't an option. My issue is I am so ready to take the next step and move in, but my boyfriend is adamant about saving to buy a house and never rent. My boyfriend is more well-off financially. I do my part to contribute to the relationship and building our life, but the saving for the house mostly falls on him. Our goal is to be able to move by the end of the year, but that was also our goal last year. I'm worried this goal is going to be pushed more and more because my boyfriend is so logical and is all about the right time, the right place, the right deal, and all of it. I feel I can't put any pressure on the timeline of it all because I'm not the one financially able to save for the down payment. Please, any advice you can give would be helpful. 
I mean, here's the thing. Like, I appreciate that he's logical and wants it to be right time, right place because of everything going on. Like, you don't want to make a rash decision. And especially, I don't know, financial situation for him and work or whatever with COVID. But things are very different right now for everybody. And so I think, you know, he know. I'm assuming since you wrote this email that he knows where you stand on wanting to move in that direction. But I think you continue to be patient and maybe you save up to where you're able to financially contribute, like maybe work towards that goal. Yeah. You don't want to have to, you don't want to have to be dependent on him. You don't want to have financially. You don't want to have to be dependent on him. And I think that the thing that I'm realizing is communication is everything in relationships. Like, literally everything. Um, and so if you want to live with him so badly so soon, then maybe you, I mean, I guess it's, I get it. It's a small studio, but like, maybe you do that. You know what I mean? Like move move into the studio until they can buy a house. Yeah. But I, I don't, does he want to live? Does he want her to move in with him? Well, they're going to have to, guess what? Relationships are compromised. Well, but how much of this is him being super practical and how much is the typical 20-something male's fear of commitment? That I don't know because I'm not a (laughs) 27-year-old. I think it's more than we might think. Oh, really? Uh Uh-huh. Oh, y'all think y'all think he's just like pushing it because he's not ready. Yes, that's what I think. I think he even thinks it's like it's a financial logical situation, but like deep, but subconsciously it's like a fear of commitment mm. mm-hmm. so then what do you do this is why i said i really don't know what to tell nicole because this is a really tough one because he's right in the sense that renting is not a great thing you're just throwing money away but on the other hand there's such a thing as too logical and too practical that you end up all of a sudden your life's half over and you haven't done all the things you want to do. Because the saying goes, don't wait. The time will never be exactly right. Right. Okay, but here's my thought process because I am someone who's interested in buying right now. And unless he's wanting to buy just because he wants to have a house and that's what he wants to do, he shouldn't do it because they're not married. And so I don't think him buying just for the sake of her being able to move in is fair to put that pressure on him. Unless he's like, I want to buy. I found the perfect house. This is for me. And I want you to move in because I'm with you. But to buy a house with the pressure of her just because she's ready to move out of her parents' house isn't fair to him, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Like unless he's not ready to buy a house because that's what he wants to do. Or maybe until they're married. But I think my advice to Nicole is that she should be working to save up so that she maybe can move out on her own and not be waiting on him this whole time. I just want to, I just feel like she's waiting for him. And I think she should be making moves for herself in that direction. Yeah, she should buy her own damn house. (laughs) Or just take that. Move out and like live in a spot. Okay. And, or ta- okay. I would talk to maybe talk to him first and say, hey, I, I want to be independent. I want to move from my parents' house. I would like to do that with you. But I also want to know that we're moving in that direction and I'm not just waiting for something that's not going to happen in the near future. Yeah, it's yeah. just tough because if Mar- if Mark's right that like it's just him being commitment phobe, then like how do you. Well, because if she communicates that with him, it gives him the option to say, hey, I don't think I'm ready for that sort of commitment. Like, I love you, but I don't know if I'm there yet. And I don't want to make false promises to you if that's like, 
if you need an answer, I don't necessarily have one, but you know, and just, I think if she's up front with him and communicates what she's looking for and what she expects, then it gives him an option to be like open with her about where he stands. I feel like. So I think what needs to happen here is you need to set a goal, a monetary goal. I think you need to be open about what we're doing here. We need, I don't know where you live. I don't know what house prices are. But I'm assuming he's saving up for a down payment because that's what we did before we bought our place. So if the, so I assume he's got a number in mind as to what he wants. So he's comfortable with that being the down payment, 20% of the average house price in your area. I right. think as long as you guys are both clear on what that savings goal is then when you hit that goal, great. If you hit that goal and he still doesn't want to pull the trigger, then you know what the answer is. But at least now you have a, a specific thing that you're waiting for and hoping for and contributing to and searching for. And it's all, it's all you're working together towards that goal. Yeah, that's actually that's a good a great idea. advice. Good job, Mark. Thank Way you. to come to it. You yeah. said you didn't know and all we had to do was talk it, really it just, out. Yeah, we just had to talk it out. He really just yeah. needed to get the juices That's long. right. Yeah. That's right. Mm-hmm. I did. <laughs> All right, and um, this is a heavy one from Aubrey. Uh, She says you, I'm not sure who she's referring to, which of you, but during the podcast, you all talked about how you were coming out of the darkness and not struggling as much with everything going on in the world and finding your stride with it all. I guess both of you. And well, I wish I felt the same. I'm a nurse on the front lines working directly with sick COVID patients and have been living it day in and day out since early February. I'm someone that doesn't normally struggle with anxiety or depression, but as the weeks continue on and on, I find myself sinking into a dark place. I had days when I don't want to get out of bed and I spent the whole day crying. I've tried counseling, praying, relaxation techniques, but I'm not sleeping well. I'm stressed. I'm anxious all the time. It also doesn't help that I'm single and living alone during the pandemic and have no one to talk to who really understands how isolating it is to be on the front lines of COVID. My hospital isn't being supportive either by cutting our PTO. Do you guys have any advice or ideas to help ease the stress and anxiety that myself and other first responders, frontline workers are feeling during this pandemic? Um, first of all, I just wanted to say thank you because I can't imagine what it's been like being in the hospitals and the doctor's offices and how stressful and overwhelming it's been and also just sad and frustrating and scary too. And scary, like yeah. you're, you know, I think all of us are kind of, everybody's going about their lives, but careful because you don't know who has it. But like when you're in the hospitals and you're in the front, like you are yeah. working with people that have it. So like, that's gotta be very Well, and you're seeing what it's doing out. to them and you so desperately hope it doesn't happen to you. Yeah. Yeah. And also I think for both of us, like having someone that we're constantly able to talk to and be around, even though it's like for a long time, it was limited to that one person. It was still, we weren't alone. So I, um, I really, I, I'm so sorry that you are going through this and feeling so alone. I know that there are other girls in the scrubbing in group who have written about the same position. So maybe you, um, can reach out on the scrubbing in page because I know there's a few girls who are in the same position and y'all could at least have an outlet to talk to each other because I don't think anyone who's not in your position can relate to what you're going through day in, day out of, of this pandemic. Yeah. And I don't know if there's any, maybe any other nurses that you work with that you guys can arrange. Like, I know it sounds like, no, everybody's over zoom and things like that, but maybe you could arrange some sort of like Netflix watching something where you, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know where, um, yeah, some other nurses that you can kind of create like a little community and do things together virtually. 
just to have that, you know, because I think I relied on so much on FaceTime and video Mm -hmm. stuff in the beginning of the pandemic to make me feel like Mm -hmm. I was on a double date or, you know, things like that. And that really helped. And um, even the people you work with, since you're seeing them day in, day out, I think going out to a park or going somewhere where you're outside and getting fresh air and like having some sort of normalcy, eating good food, just like outside is so refreshing. And I think a lot of times when we're anxious, we're thinking about the future, which hasn't happened yet. And we're like putting these perceptions and like these ideas into what could happen. And I think that I've found and what I'm trying to be better at myself is just like being very present in the day. So like each take each day as its own thing and do so like find joy in every day somehow. I don't it could be eating your favorite something or cooking something new or I don't know, like finding something joyful in every single day has really helped me be more like present and not because I I found myself getting very anxious at one point too. And I was like, I was trying to pinpoint exactly what it is. And it was just the fear of the unknown of like what's to come and putting different expectations on that. And it's like, you really just have to try and be present in the day and take it day by day. And this is the last thing I would say, just because this helped me at one point, and I should have kept doing it, but um, the five-minute journal, part of the process was writing down three things that you're grateful for that when you wake up, and then at night, you write down three great things that happened during the day, and it was just such a, even though nothing was happening, I was able to find three things at each time to write down, and I think it kind of puts into perspective what you have and what you want you kind of manifest and put it out there what you want to happen. And I think it's good for your brain to like physically write down the good instead of, cause all we're thinking about is the bad and the fear and the scary. Yeah. And like, actually I was talking to a friend of mine the other day and I feel like since the pandemic hit, I haven't done anything to like serve others. Like, I feel like it's always just been about like, how do I, you know, keep myself busy or keep myself safe and, you know, and I'm doing little things. I do little things for my neighbors here and there, but like, I want to start, giving blood again and like doing things like in some way where I can be of service to other people because I think that she is of service to other people <laughs> I know but like I know but I know but like if she if she I don't know it's hard to explain like I like don't know. maybe like doing something for like the homeless or, or something. something for yeah. a neighbor yeah you know what I mean like just I think when you do something like that for somebody that you might not know or be close with um it might I don't know. I don't know if you live in an apartment complex and you can do something for somebody in there. Yeah. I don't know. Well, we are very thankful for you and the yeah, other people we that are on the front lines. Yeah, and I hope that it gets better. And like I said, reach out to people in the Facebook group. Like, there are so many people in your position who can talk to you and I'm sure would be willing to just let you vent and get get it out there if you need to. So we love you. I'm sorry you're I'm sorry everyone's going through all this. All right. Well, thank you, everybody. We hope that you have a great week. Tanya, I hope this is your best year yet. Thank you, Becca. Feels like it's gonna be Yeah. We love you guys so much. Hope you have a great week and we will see you next week. Love you. Bye. (laughs)